cleared for takeoff. want to thank you for joining us once again on the Jet Fuel Jet Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera, joined as always by my astute and educational co-worker, Matt Szilard, also known as King Sliz. Matt, say hello. Hey, what's good? What's good? Uh, super busy week that we just had. <laughs> A lot. No, yeah. Nothing happened in the Jets world, right? Nothing eventful, nothing suspenseful. <laughs> you know, it's 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 crazy how one hour in Jets land can feel like a lifetime for other football fans, right? I think that's the that's the 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 blessing and the curse of a Jets fan is that it's never not entertaining, right? And we saw that over the summer with the Tyreek uh, Tyreek Hill situation, and now we see it. <laughs> excuse me. Now we see it with. Zach Wilson. So we begin, as always, bringing it to the runway rundown. And that's where we begin with Zach Wilson's knee injury uh, happening on the one of the, the second drive of Zach Wilson's preseason debut this year. Sliz, please, uh, you know, what what was going through your mind when you saw that happen? Let's break this down a little bit. Yeah, so. On a, I'm trying to rem- put myself back in the state of mind of Friday during the game. Yeah, I, I don't remember much of the rest of that game uh, kind of in the moment just because, you know, you're checking Twitter, trying to get updates. Oh, man, how bad was it? You're watching the video, checking every single Twitter doctor out there in the sphere and what everyone's saying. Um, obviously, you, you wish that he wouldn't be making those plays in the preseason, right? So he definitely he rolled out of a, a collapsing pocket, was evading pressure, tried to make a juke, and the knee gave out on him non-contact. When you hear non-contact and you kind of see it, you always get worried. Um, got the news in today, though, avoided the worst case. So it, it was a, a meniscus tear, and it was it seems like it was only a partial. So all the reports are coming in two to four weeks or four to six. And really you just got to be happy that, Hey, we're going to get Zach this year. He's not out for the whole year. It's not kind of a lost year. Cause even if you got a, a plug in quarterback outside of Flacco or something, you still don't know what we have no idea what Zach is or isn't what he, what he's been to date so far. doesn't leave you feeling comfortable with what he potentially could be. So Glad he's uh glad it it's a shorter term one. Might probably still miss a week or two, but hopefully get him here and, and in the saddle before long. Yeah, the the one word that comes to mind when talking about Zach and and what happened on Friday night was numb. That that's the number yeah. one thing. I think with every Jets fan, there comes a point in your fandom when especially with quarterbacks where you go from, all right, this guy's the one to, oh my God, he's not the one. Right. And then after that point, you always kind of just go numb to everything else. I was never a big Sanchez guy. So that he wasn't that quarterback for me. I was obviously Gino and everything that the hell that happened in between. Uh, Darnold was the guy who kind of killed that for me. Right. And and Darnold, I had such high hopes for, and then he was terrible. And now I'm just numb to it all. So it really sucked to see Zach hurt. Glad that he's coming back. I think he week two is a, a reasonable versus Cleveland is a reasonable expectation for Zach to be back. I don't think he's playing week one against Baltimore. I think that's Flacco's game. Jeff Howard, the athletic said today, four to six weeks. So maybe a little bit longer than the two to four that we saw. I think four weeks, five weeks is kind of in that sweet spot where we expect to see Zach back. Yeah. And two, it's not that a, there's ever a good time for injury, but if you're going to have an injury, it being in the preseason when you don't have to, change your game plan on the fly you have all this time to prep 
Uh, I, I certainly think it's going to be Flacco week one. Uh, there's no point in rushing him back, That that him being Zach. You definitely want him. It's going to be a lot like last year, I think. Di- different injury, same knee, but it's very much going to be a pain tolerance thing. It's going to depend how much he trusts that knee, too. I think we saw in a couple of those first games back last year, he, he wasn't totally confident in it, certainly not while scrambling. So it's definitely going to be a trust and pain tolerance thing, but certainly glad we're going to see him. I, I was looking back through when the last time we had a full season of starting quarterback play for the Jets, and you have to go all the way back to 2015, which was the <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick year. So pain. That, that's several years and, and really two young quarterbacks, right? Sam and his three years three years with us never had a to- a full 16 or 17 game season and, and Zach's now going to be 0 for 2 so it, I mean on top of everything else that's just a lot of bad luck but uh, certainly doesn't help when you're trying to develop and and see what a young quarterback has that they miss time during the season before we move on to our next topics I, I failed to mention that this is now an ank free pat podcast vehicle so ank is banned from this podcast uh, he cannot listen to it. He cannot be on it. So that's a, another little shout out to our Jets Discord friends back in the internet sphere. All right. So Zach wasn't the only thing that happened on Friday night, Sliz. And there was a lot that happened in that game. You know, if you could kind of sift through the nonsense of the Zach injury and really focus back in on the game, obviously a very difficult task for a lot of people. But the first thing that stood out to me before we get into some other notes here, the rookies did look good. And that's a point that we have here, which is very nice. And for me, I loved that I didn't hear Sauce Gardner's name called. Obviously, A.J. Brown didn't play, so maybe that was a little bit different, but I'm glad I didn't hear his name for one reason or another. I didn't hear his name because he was targeted. I didn't hear his name because he was penalized. I didn't hear his name because they were throwing his direction, and I think that's a great, great thing to happen. So that stood out to me. Michael Clemens got a motor, man. I mean, this oh, dude yeah. was he, – he got on the field, and he was super noticeable, and that's good to see. Um, I know a lot of us kind of – kind of ragged on the pick because the guy's essentially filing for AARP and, and retirement benefits probably after the season ends, but he, he played, he played his ass off. I mean, and that's, that's a good thing to say. Where were some things that you notice on Friday nights, Liz? Yeah. Yeah. So I think you touched on it with the rookies, right? So we've had, we had a huge rookie class, three first round picks headlining that and, and really every pick being fourth rounder earlier. Uh, you, you expect those guys to be able to contribute, especially given our, our talent barren roster over the past couple of years. So you, you touched on Sauce not getting a target. That's pretty big. Um, you touched uh, touched on Clemens. And, and that, that motor showed up on college tape too. If you go back and mm-hmm. look at – I looked at his Alabama tape after the pick trying to understand like, all right, who's this – who's this boomer that we just drafted and mm-hmm. it, it's the same type of energy kind of hundred percent every <laughs> single snap and 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 not only uh not only snaps at edge it was interesting they're cycling them in, inside too at three tech kind of jfm like so some versatility there helps his roster case uh moving forward on hitting the the 53 uh garrett wilson had a couple nice routes he had that nice catch and mm-hmm. Trying to think of who all the other rookies are. Brees popped. He showed some of that wiggle that you want to see in space. Um, I know a lot of people were mad. A lot of people were mad about that third and one, uh, that third and one run. You just need a yard, but he's bouncing it outside, which, you know, I understand. Um, 
sorry to cut you off, but oh, I understand good. why people are mad about it because you do see that hole there developing and you just you need that short yardage situation. But it's also hard for me for a playmaker to be for for me to be mad at a playmaker making a play. I understand that's not what you want to see all the time. But when you see when he sees that space on the outside, you know, like I'm fine with it. Like it, it doesn't bother me too. You just hope it doesn't become a habit, which is something that did show up on his college tape, which I understand. Yeah. Uh, you hope they hammer home that listen, man. If the holes hair, if the holes hair, just just hit it, just take it, you know. But yeah, it, it's hard for me ways. to get mad. It, it's it's hard for me to be mad at a, at a playmaker trying to make a play, you know. Yeah, that's one of those no, 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 yes type of plays where it's like, all right, he, he got it, he, he turned the corner. Um, I, I think overall, though, he showed kind of the the ability he has in space. Like you said, it's taken taking in that coaching, trusting the blockers. It, it's different at the NFL level probably than what he had at, at Iowa State. Um, really just following along and, and buying into the scheme is going to be a big thing for him. Uh, Rucker had a touchdown towards the end of the game. So Love to Jeremy, see it. Yeah, Jeremy flashed there, too. Uh, Jermaine had that pressure that flushed Hertz out of the pocket early in the game, which uh, low light being uh, Quincy Williams doing the, mm-hmm. the, the late hit out of bounds, leading with the helmet, helmet to helmet. So a uh, bit of a low light for Quincy, and he really wasn't good all game. Uh, dropping that back into space, he he got beat on a lot of those crossers, had a, had a bad time passing off. Certainly feels like Quan Alexander's maybe in the driver's seat there to – to be the running mate alongside Mosley. Uh, Bryce Hall was probably the worst person on the entire field. <laughs> well, worst person on the field other than Elijah Riley. I thought those two both both on the defensive backfield. So Bryce being being the starting corner for the game who got really just cooked and, and put in a blender all game. He, he was spun around on that touchdown throw that Hurts had in, early in the game and, and – I know there's a lot of criticism of Sala in the scheme of not having Bryce Hall follow the the top wide receiver, top pass catcher on teams last year. And I think you saw last night why we didn't do a lot of that. So Bryce typically plays on the other side of the field. So on when the Eagles are going right to left, Bryce typically plays at the top. And, and typically Sala's corners, if you think to like a Richard Sherman, he only played one side of the field. And you get used to using the sideline. You're used to hips turning a certain direction. And you saw that on that early touchdown where Bryce was playing opposite the side he's normally playing and his hips just got all twisted up. He tripped over, stumbled over himself, easy touchdown. So I thought it was a little vindication in some sense. You see also (laughs) why we went out and got both a Sasta Gardner and a DJ Reed, where our staff clearly was not comfortable with what we had out of our cornerback room last year. Um, I think the game on Friday certainly capped that off uh, kind of in, in, in a negative light. Right. Yeah. And, and like you said, the one thing that we don't have on our notes here that I do want to touch on real quick is I absolutely love Sala going after Quincy after the game and the press conference and saying it was egregiously awful. Listen, I mean, I understand in the grand scheme of things that probably doesn't matter much to fans like the people in the discord who talk about this stuff because it's it's intangible, right? It doesn't mean much. On the other hand, I do like that he's not always sticking up for his guy. And I like that he said, well, Quincy knows it was bad. And Quincy owned up to it, too. It's not like he he was saying he got caught up in the moment. You know, he he knows what the issue was. He know what he did wrong in that situation, which is nice because it is when you say those things in the media, it is a certain level of accountability that goes into it. And that's something that I've wanted from Jets coaches for a very long time. So hopefully that that um, 
that isn't a one-time thing from Salah, and he is holding these guys accountable. Uh, that was good to see. That was good to read and hear after Friday's game. And it's a message, too, to, like, other coaches, and we're about to go into some joint practices the next couple weeks. It's, hey, right. I'm not okay with this either. That's about as right. fired up as you see a coach on the sideline with Nick right. Sirianni there. He, he, was, oh, yeah. he was ready to throw down in the middle of the field, yeah. I think, there. And I, and I you can't blame him either. That, that's right. a starting QB, and really that was a, as big a cheap shot in the preseason as right. you see the – um, I think the last guy I really want to give a shout out to is Tanzel Smart, the the D tackle. I thought he flashed a lot last preseason. We carried him on the practice squad all last year. Uh, I believe he was a guy that kind of followed along JFM from the Rams. And in a room, in a interior defensive line room where really there's there's potential to break into that rotation. Uh, certainly Shep on a one-year deal isn't isn't locking down the spot. You have John Marshall, who's a, a second-year player, sixth-round pick we took last year. You have Rankins, who wasn't very good last year, competing all in there. I, I think Tanzel Smart, if he continues on this kind of burner he's on, I think he had two sacks, a whole bunch of pressures and tackles. He feels like uh, almost – He's a guy that I would be excited if he made the roster. I thought his his first step was pretty good. He's got a little bit more size than some of the rest of the guys we have in the room. Um, he he really made an impact to me. Jumped out. That's the the one thing that I like to see from our D line is that it, I understand that the scheme is is there's so much stress that goes on the linebacker core because these guys have to not only plug plug the holes in the offensive uh the sorry the defensive line because the line is built to get after the quarterback but also in the pass game right and when you don't have those guys like the big run stuffing tackles that we've seen you know the the snacks harrisons in year past it's it's obvious it's like it's glaring right and you hope that shepherd can be that guy if he makes a team i think i'm assuming he will because he's the only guy that kind of like fits that mold that we have unfortunately and not really great at it <laughs> at that so um yeah, if, if you can add a little bit size, a little bit of beef up front, I do think that helps linebackers a little bit more. So uh, that's certainly certainly another position to watch because they're they're loaded there. That room is just that room is loaded, and it's going to be there's going to be tough cuts coming. So we'll see we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, one thing that I d- I did want to touch on Zach a little bit here before we move on to some some other current event stuff. Five throws. I don't want to put too much stress. You know, it's a small sample size, guys. Let's just everybody just calm down. All right. Everybody online, the interception was bad. I'm not defending it. The overthrow, I'm I'm willing to forgive him on the overthrow to Garrett Wilson because it's literally his first pass preseason action. It, it's I'm fine. Like I, I'll I'll get over it. I understand because like people are mad because this is these are the throws that he missed last year. I'm forgiving of him for it. He he looked on target to to Conklin. He looked on target to Elijah Moore on the two passes he threw to that, those two. So listen. Again, I'm. It's a wash. It's five passes in a preseason game. You hope he plays a little bit smarter next time he gets into a game. But that's all I want to say about it. Like I don't want to harp on it because I don't want to put too much stock into it one way or the other. Sliz, your thoughts? Yeah. So shout out to to Georgia for the second pod in a row. Wow. Starting on, starting on a streak, but a it's probably partly him being a Michigan fan and and therefore an Ohio State wide receiver hater. He did point out though on that Garrett on that Garrett Wilson route and and Garrett Wilson straight up put that DB in a blender. His hips were the wrong way, but that's a speed out. That's he's got to take basically run out, cut and move. 
he he put two or three cuts on the guy, got them all twisted up, but that throws off the timing. It's early mm-hmm. in the season too. Those timing routes are super critical. Zach's taking his three step, hitting once his back foot hits, he's getting that ball out, right? If Garrett's kind of messing around at the top of his route, that throws that timing off. I don't think the throw is very good either way, but right. um, it is something to note though that that a wide receiver kind of going a little off script or spending a little bit time in the stem of his route tree can throw that timing off and make make a, a pr- probably a fine throw look really egregious. And then right. we we talked about it a little bit last week with the stare down too. I think the the interception did look bad and. I tried to dissect even what the what was what he tried to see with it was clear zone coverage. I don't know how he didn't account for the linebacker, but it it was one as opposed to last year where he tried to do a lot of off script and just kind of chucked up balls. That's like, man, why do you even throw that? Mm-hmm. This was something where it was very much a pre snap read and he just got it wrong. That's coachable. That's that's a lot more coachable, I think, than the why. How did you even throw that ball? Type, right. of, type of interception so it's kind of one of those you kind of just swallow live with it and, and hope he improves next time man he garrett wilson had the defender ballroom dancing on that the one still image of of the defender going one direction and like his hips were facing the other direction that's fun to watch man oh, yeah. i hope he, yeah. i hope he brings that all season because that 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 listen again it's a small sample size it's in the grand scheme of things when you get to to the regular season it doesn't matter much but those little glimpses of of specialness, the footwork, the, the route running, that's the kind of stuff that gets you excited, especially in a scheme that is all about finding the open space, uh, making a defender cut the wrong way or guess the wrong way. It's not about throwing jump balls, you know, down the field. It's all about finding space and zones and all that. So it's 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 really that was it was exciting to see. It really was. And you see some of that specialness moving forward. So we move on as we continue on the runway rundown. A big signing, as we expected, all Jets fans really ex- expected after Mackay Becton went down, is the Dwayne Brown signing coming in in a contract of two years and $22 million. There was a little bit of hesitance from people on the Jets Discord trying to determine how this contract was going to break down. Sliz, please, for those of us who are uh, cap un- unsavvy, can you please break down a little bit of this deal without getting too much into the minutia and confusing the hell out of people like me? Just what what kind of the machinations in this deal and what people need to know about it? Yeah, so so as a wannabe cap guru, uh, self-proclaimed <laughs> wannabe cap guru, uh, I think this is as good a deal as you could want. Uh, it Really, Dwayne Brown got a good deal, too. He ended up getting eight mil guaranteed, and he'll see a good deal more than that, I think. From a Jets perspective, the way the way it's structured, we tacked on a lot of void years. I know that's I think it's the first time Joe Douglas has utilized that. I know we've seen that become a more prevalent thing the past couple of years, especially with the COVID year when and the cap mm-hmm. going down for that one year. Uh, essentially allows us to spread his cap hit over a couple of years. So he's super cheap this year. Next year his salary goes up both base and the cap hit. And then um, from there, you have some void years that essentially take that signing bonus, spread it, but it'll end up once he falls off the roster, it kind of bunches it all up into that that last year in 2024. So kind of in layman's terms, we get a, a cheap year of Dwayne Brown this year. We get essentially a $5 million team option next year. We're going to have either 2 or $6 million dead next year. 
Um, but it's essentially, so, so that money's already accounted for. We basically backloaded a lot of that cause we don't have a ton of space this year. So you're looking at like a, a one year team option at 5 million, if you think about it. So he's kind of getting in that backup tier type of money next year, we can cut it and save that 5 million. If we feel he's totally washed, had a bad season, gets injured, whatever. Uh, and the cap hit, we can you can do a post June one cut and bump part of that out to 2024, as opposed to it all hitting in 2023. Well, it gives us a lot of flexibility when we do have a lot of questions at tackle next year. Uh, I know Joe tried to do the same two year deal or similar two year deal with Morgan Moses last year, and and Moses opted just for the one so he could hit the open market again. A little bit different situation with Dwayne Brown mm-hmm. being at the end of the career. Um, Gives us flexibility, though, where we'll have Dwayne Brown under contract, we'll have Max Mitchell under contract, and we'll have a Mekhi Becton coming off of injury, and those are our only rostered tackles as we sit today on the 2023 roster. You have Fant walking, uh, Adoga's walking, hitting, hitting the think, market. You think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think. Yeah. You can't escape Chuma Adoga. Slice. Yeah. You know this. But it, it gives you a safe fallback, though, and it, at nothing else, kind of opting into that team option, so to speak, gives you a, a guy at backup tackle level salary. So, yeah, it's a, it's well. a smart deal. Right. It's a smart deal. And it's a deal that had to get done, even, I don't want to say even before Makai, but when you started hearing, you know, while Makai's wearing the knee brace, that's not something that someone does just for fun. Right. You know, that's something someone does because it's a little bit of a red flag. And, Obviously, it ended up with the with the avulsion fracture. It's now, uh, as of today, Makai is officially on IR, so his 2022 season is officially over. One of the roster moves that they made to get their roster down from 90 to, to 85. A few other guys, Derek Kelly, Tim Ward, and Rashard Davis, and Luke Barku. Man, I hope I'm saying that right. I have no idea who that is. I'll tell you that. Um, other guys other guys to... Uh, not make their their next round uh, the next round of roster cuts unfortunately so Makai obviously is the big move uh, you know if there was any doubt that he was going to play the season now it's totally or any any doubt that he wasn't going to play the season it's totally out the window now so sorry Makai yeah th- our guy our yeah, guy Makai some important to touch on since he is on IR before cutting down to the 53 because he wasn't mm-hmm. on the original 53 that means he's right. on IR for the year so right no right. chance of Makai returning this year, not part of the plan for 2022. So mm-hmm. like you said, that's the big move. I think the only other name that maybe jumps out is Tim Ward, who we, we mm-hmm. carried on the 53 for part of last year. And that really speaks to the 180 in edge talent that we had between last year, post loss and injury versus this year where, right. you know, this guy was part of our top four, top five for most of the year last year. And now he's not even making the 85 man roster. That's Mm -hmm. a a heck of a turnover in terms of talent. Yeah. Yeah, You could see it. You see it all off season and you saw it manifest itself a little bit during the first preseason game because that pocket was moving and they were getting after Hertz. They really were. I mean, it sucks that the secondary played it as bad as it did. And Hertz just kind of threw the ball down their throat, you know, in those two drives, you know, what are you going to do? But it, it was re, it was definitely reassuring to see that juice up front, and hopefully those guys continue to gel as we move forward through preseason, uh, rest of preseason. One name you touched on that I do want to touch on real quick is Matt, Max Mitchell, who I don't know if you keyed on it in on him, Sliz, if you rewatch, but he didn't look too bad. I didn't think he looked too bad, honestly. The the one, I 
say ironically, but the one play that he looked terrible was the play he got beat, a play that Zach was hurt on, unfortunately. But he was moving people in the run game, other snaps. He was he seemed to be pretty pretty sturdy in pass protection. He didn't get beat bad the rest of that game so that he, that he played. So, you know, maybe they have something here. Maybe it's just the first preseason game and we shouldn't pay any mind to it. But either way, they are expecting him to be a right tackle, either a swing tackle, depth guy of the future, or, you know, potentially starting right tackle of the future. I don't know. I don't know ultimately what he's going to end up being, but pretty encouraging signs so far, I'd say. Yeah, All right. Yeah, you, you love when the rookie class is, is showing out right out of the gate right. so mm-hmm. hopefully that trend continues uh next week and beyond yep all right we get to as we as we close out the runway rundown here sliz one jets drive first episode dropped last week i wasn't too impressed with it to be honest with you i don't know why i it, it just felt kind of juiceless it, it felt kind of hollow empty i i kind of felt the same way about last year's season two certainly feels a little bit different, maybe because there was a little bit more turmoil in years prior. We're talking about the Gase years and everything happened there. You really wanted to see, you know, what was going through this wide-eyed crazy man's head. But I I don't know. I wasn't wasn't too crazy about it. Kind of put me to sleep. The Lake and Tomlinson stuff was obviously the highlight of the show. He was heavily featured at the end of the first episode. They have here, uh, literally just hashtag Wesco was there. Was the, uh, obviously... For those who don't know the uninitiated, when we ran a pilot episode just for our own viewing and entertainment and pleasure, uh, we we did talk about the Idaho trip that Zach and the gang made during the offseason, and Wesco was there. Wesco was there. So, well, and, and the dude got a ton of camera time. I'm like, hey, why <laughs> why is Wesco part of the shortlist to go to Idaho with Zach? He, he probably doesn't have a, a roster spot locked down. I'd be surprised if he made the roster this year. And it's like, how is he getting so much camera time? <laughs> it just blew my mind the whole time. <laughs> Careful, he's he's going to be in a battle with Nick Bauden for uh, the fullback role. So yeah. don't you, don't you worry. Yeah, <laughs> the, the plan so, the plan will come. The plan will come. Don't worry, you'll see. Yeah, no, I agree though. Kind of a, a a tempered episode for sure. Like you said, lacking juice. I think was a, the phrase you mm-hmm. used. I, I agree. Um, hoping it comes. I, I am. I'm gonna give it another week, another shot. We have Elijah Moore and Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson was the best part of last year's mm-hmm. series. So especially coming off with with the rehab off the injury, that that dude's a grinder. I'm sure we're gonna get some grinding grinding moments in this uh, this next episode. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. give it another week. If it engages me, we'll give it keep going. If not, we'll uh, kind of pull the cord and plug into other things. But so that'll do it for the runway rundown. As we look ahead, this is the flight plan. And next preseason game, week two versus the Falcons on Monday night. Look at that Monday night football, kind of. <laughs> you know. Never thought, never thought I'd see that again. Uh, the Jets yeah. have joint pra- joint practices with the Falcons on Friday and Saturday. Unfortunately, Zach won't be there. I think that would have been the biggest takeaway seeing him go against the defense. It's not his own, so that kind of sucks. But there's still stuff to be gleaned gleaned from these practices, especially how well the the defensive line plays. I think is big. If if Sauce Gardner will hold up, I'm not sure the status of Drake London. I know that they said that his knee injury wasn't. Uh, Falcons receiver and first round pick first wide receiver off the board too. So there's that. That'll be another, another fun little battle to watch. I, I know that they said his, his knee wasn't a long-term concern, so I'm not sure his status. This is not a Falcons podcast. So sorry about that, but um, yeah. So, you know, we look ahead. So what are some of the things you're excited for about, about joint practices and preseason week two? Yeah, well, it's always good 
when you get when you get actual live reps against other teams and and you know hope hope we get through it without injuries if you remember last year week two joint practices with green bay was when lawson went down and and i forget the the guy's name one of our other safety depth guys both went down with achilles like back-to-back days so you want to get through a healthy but beyond that I, i think you touched on some of the highlight matchups they have they have an all pro corner there in AJ Terrell that you want to see either Elijah or Garrett getting some work on and, and seeing what we can do there. They have a, a really good D tackle and Grady Jarrett. You want to see how Lakin matches up there, kind of the communication along the interior as well. And, and I think on a defensive perspective, they, they still have Corderell Patterson. They have Kyle Pitts, who is a freak of a talent at tight end that those two guys are, are matchup nightmares for our roster. So it should be good to kind of see, okay, how, how can we mask this linebacker group? What can we do with either a third safety, a, a jumbo slot type of setup? How, how can we approach these types of mismatchup matches that other teams are going to try to stress us with? And frankly, we have kind of up and down the calendar. When you look at some of the teams we're playing this year and the tight end talent and the pass catchers out of the back that they have. So those are the things I'm kind of keying in on. And and I guess just at eye level, seeing how Joe, Joe Flacco still holds up. So, mm-hmm. you know, the reports out of training camp are, are that he's been pretty hot the last two days. And we've heard for a long time that this scheme is, uh, is very quarterback friendly, right? Because so much of it relies on your playmakers making plays. And a lot of it is play action, running the same looks out of different form of the same formation, uh, running different plays, obviously out of the same formation. I made to say, so uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see if Flacco really takes advantage of that because he's obviously a smart quarterback. He's been around for a while. I know, say what you want about the way things ended in Baltimore and his limitations as a passer, all these, all this stuff. But I do think that it's a scheme that could benefit him. I really do. At 37 years old, maybe that's copium. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's me just looking at trying to trying to sneak out a win versus Baltimore week one. I don't know. But I, I am curious to see how Flacco plays plays in these practices and obviously on Monday night. So we'll see how that works out. The other thing that I'm I'm really just please, I'm begging the Jets defense, please get a stop against, against a starting offense for the love of God. I, I just can't. The number one thing that the Jets can't do this year is play from behind. They cannot play from behind. It's something that they did all year last year. The, the, the defense in second half usually looked pretty good. Uh, first half just looked abysmal, overmatched a lot of the time. So I, I just please just get a stop against an opposing offense. That's that's all I'm asking for. Against a opposing offense that shouldn't be very good this year either. Right. With a right. coming off a year with really a bottom bottom tier offensive line which should be a huge matchup in our favor and with either Mariota or Ritter both Mm -hmm. probably not great quarterbacks uh yeah it's certainly one where our our defense has to show up and kind of if nothing else get a confidence booster it'll really be kind of a gutting feeling if the Falcons are moving the ball kind of at will on us like we saw against Philly right so you have here on your on your look at Hensler's Jets don't travel until week two, and that's pretty helpful when you think about it, especially during preseason. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we're we're home this week against Atlanta. I think we're technically a road team next week, but we play the Giants in the third preseason game, so we don't have to go anywhere. Week one is home versus Baltimore. So the, the next time we're on the road is when we go out to Cleveland to play the Browns in week two. 
So we, we essentially have a month plus at home. That That is pretty impactful for a young team. Hey, just lock in, get in the weight room, do, do get into your routine. I, I think it, it, there's been a lot of stuff the past two weeks, maybe not going our way. I think this, and, and certainly the schedule is not laid out to go our way when you look ahead to the, the front half of the season, but this is something, Hey, this is set up. All right. Let's get off on the right foot being at home, getting in that routine. So that'll do it for the flight plan. Obviously, preseason is a little less exciting than the regular season, but uh, we move on to our next segment, golden or wooden. Buy or sell some of these predictions from our Jets Discord compatriots. Some of these are fun. Some of them are not so fun, but we'll start with this. Liz, I'll throw this one to you. This one's from Jerry from Seinfeld. Chris Strebler takes Mike White's job. Is that golden or wooden? So I'm going to say golden, but on a technicality, right? So I don't think either of these guys are going to make the 53-man roster. Mike White, frankly, looked bad in the preseason game. He looked like Mike White. Mike White last year, outside of the Bengals game, if you look at, I believe, was it the Bills game he played and then the end Mm -hmm. of the Patriots game? It it was that guy that was not very good, right? And he also have he's a free cut. He saves two and a half million if you cut him and we're pretty cap strapped. I that feels like a free cut. And maybe, maybe we look to carry him back on the practice squad. Um, Streveler, the, I think this take is maybe an overreaction to him mm-hmm. orchestrating that second half comeback. I don't think he's any good, but he's if we cut Mike White and White goes elsewhere, Streveler could be a, a practice squad stash. So golden, but on a technicality. <laughs> Man, you're, I, I just think you're not prepared for the Shreveler to Ruckert era is, is what it sounds like to me. Uh, that's yeah, what yeah, it sounds like. So. Dominating third strings all around the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to harp too much on this, but, you know, I think the realistic Jets fans, I don't want to knock anybody, but they know what Mike White is, right? We know what Mike White is. I mean, there's some dudes who call into WFAN trying to say, oh, my God, Mike White's a professional quarterback. He's, I mean, he's fine. He's a QB3, you know, like – that Bengals game was a total aberration. Like the average depth of target was like three yards in that game. And Bengals defenders constantly played off of, off of every single receiver in that game, leading to an ungodly amount of yaks. So it's like, I don't know people are going to hold on to that Bengals game forever. It just makes me sick. Anyway, hey, moving on the hall of fame, baby. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. And I know what you mean by that, but stop it. All right. Next one's from salty. Tyler Conklin has a career year catching 80 plus passes for 750 plus yards and eight plus touchdowns. I'm calling this a wooden because this tight end by committee thing, I think they're going to spread the ball around a little bit and 80, 80 catches. That's a lot. That's a lot, man. Um, 750 yards. It's that's also, I, I just don't see it. I think it's if, if Uzama gets hurt, I can see it, but, I don't see I don't see that kind of production coming from Conklin. I'm calling this one golden. And if yeah. you asked me two weeks ago, I would have called it wooden. I would have had a very similar response to you. But I, I think he is really popping. He's evolving in this offense. We we hashtag did the math one day, just breaking down, okay, if we have kind of a standard league average amount of passing attempts over the – over the 17 game season, how do we expect those targets to break down? And it wasn't too far off from being on pace for this. I think 
I think of these metrics, probably I think the yards is actually going to be the hardest to hit at 750. I, I think we saw a lot of his usage in the preseason one game where he's going to be getting a lot of kind of short four or five, no longer than 10 yard routes. Um, so on 80 passes, it's hard to get that 750 mark if you're averaging less than less than 10 a pass. But I think he'll be a big red zone target, big red zone weapon. I think we'll use him probably blocking and then leaking out. And then we saw we saw him hit the seam as well mm-hmm. in the green and white, uh, kind of 10, 15 yards out. So I think he's going to be one of our go-tos in the red zone as a pass catcher, kind of using that size and ca- pass catching ability, trying to motion him out, dictate mismatches on linebackers kind of outside. So I'm buying it, Golden. All right. Uh, We move on to Spencer's prediction here. George Fant has a better PFF grade at right tackle this year than last year's left tackle grade. I don't have his his grade in front of me. I think it was around a 71, I want to say. But, man, that would be be quite the revelation. That would make me very happy. Uh, My heart says golden, but my head says wooden. I'm not sure that I see it. So I'm going going wooden here. I just – I need to see Fant in this offense first before at, at right tackle and with AVT next to him on the right side, maybe that helps him with the run blocking, be, uh, but he looked bad at right tackle in the year before that. So, and then maybe the offense, the offense will help mask it. Salah said that a lot. He hasn't played. I mean, he played, like you mentioned a couple of days ago, so he has played right tackle in this game, albeit in preseason. So it's not like he has like regular season snaps there. So outside of like a quarter, but I'm going to go wooden for this. I just, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I see him having a better year at right tackle this year than than he had a left tackle last year. Yeah, I'm going wooden on it too. I, I agree with I think pretty much everything you said. Kind of pros and cons on both sides. Ultimately, though, I think the tiebreaker here is we play a lot more difficult pass rushers this year. Mm-hmm. He's going to get T.J. Watt in Week Four, and that's probably going to be ugly. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned AVT, AVT swapping sides too, right? Mm-hmm. So that that mitigates a little bit maybe of that run blocking crutch that AVT might have provided on the left side last year. Um, I do think the scheme can mitigate some of it. We're going to have a lot of tight end hand in the dirt beside him to help out and chip. But it, it's hard to see him producing better than he did last year. That, that was a really good year last year. Right. Man, and, and just to – to sidestep real quick, the run blocking did not look good in that preseason game either. No. That's something we didn't we didn't really touch on. I mean, the interior was getting mauled. We all know offensive lines can take a you know we've heard up until week four in the regular season to start to gel, right? So with AVT swapping sides, with Fant now going to be swapping sides, with Dwayne Brown coming in playing next to Lakin. I mean, there's going to be growing pains. I hope that what we saw on Friday night was not what we're going to see moving forward because it just looked bad. It looked yeah. bad. So moving on. Fuzzy Stoner, one of our favorites on the Jets Discord. The Jets PPR leader in fantasy points for the 2022-23 NFL season will be Michael Carter. Obviously not the cornerback. This would be the running back. Sliz, your thoughts? Because I, I admittedly do not play fantasy football. So your thoughts on, on Fuzzy's prediction here? Yeah, so so really at the core of it, so PPR is points per reception, and then you get right. points for rushing attempts, mm-hmm. touchdowns, all that good stuff. So he's basically saying Michael Carter, A, not only is he going to outproduce Brees, but I, I read this as Michael Carter is going to get third down duties, at least to some extent, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, he didn't really hold up well last year. He was really good as a pass catcher, but in pass protection, really, really struggled. And, and 
not that it's his fault necessarily, but part of it, that's a size thing. He, he just gets overmatched by some of those D tackles and D ends. I haven't dug in hard enough. I'm going to call this wooden. That's kind of my first blush reaction, but I, I think there's a, I do think there's a pathway to it, especially you expect us to spread the ball around a lot. You don't expect any of those wide receivers to really be kind of a one wide receiver, one force fed targets kind of guy. Um, so I think there's a pathway to it being a running back. Maybe I just hope it's Brees, especially after the capital. He, he has the better frame. He's probably going to get priority on touches. Um, so kind of all that said, I'm, I'm going wooden on this one. I don't know if you have this last prediction in front of you, Sliz. Uh, but I, I'd like you to read this one because this one's a little special to me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, put in by uh, Jay, big podcast guy Rivera here. Um, Sauce Gardner will have three interceptions versus AFC East opponents this year. So that's in six total games versus the Bills, Patriots, and Dolphins. You see, I'm going good. I'm going. Uh, sorry, I'm going golden here. I, I think well, this I'd is. Hope you, I prediction. hope you would on your own on your own <laughs> prediction. <laughs> listen, my 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 logic is for. Listen, and and again, it's preseason and you shouldn't take these things seriously as you should, but all the reports coming out of Patriots camp has been the offenses look really bad. And, you know, I, I mean, come the regular season, they'll look fine, I'm sure. But I think between Mac Jones and playing Tua twice, who I'm not a Tua believer, I think there's there's room there for Sauce to get three picks. And we talked on the first episode, how hard it is to generate interceptions and turnovers in general. So this one, I, I would hazard to say this is on the bold side, obviously. Uh, but I do think two is a guy that's going to give you opportunities during a game, right? Like he's going to give you those. Saw Brandon Eccles last year, attack that for the pick six, right? He's, he's going to give you opportunities. And even with, even with the wide receivers he has between Waddle and Tyreek Hill, I, I still, I, I need to see it from him for a full season. And I just don't think he's there. And I think he'll have an opportunity versus Mac Jones too. So that's kind of my logic behind it. I don't know what you feel about it. I know it's a little bit on the bold side. So uh, what do you kind of, what do you kind of take from that? I, I, I do think it's going to be wooden and part of it. I, I feel teams aren't going to attack our corners as much as maybe they did last year. Well, I think they'll just attack over the middle, run up the middle and make us stop them. And and you saw that you saw Miami adjust last year when they played us where they were trying to test us on the outside mm-hmm. and then they, they just started handing the ball off pounding the rock and they ended up coming back and winning that game. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of a formula there. Um, I will say kind of on uh, uh, another glimmer of hope, Josh Allen has been bad about turning the ball over versus us. He's certainly a good quarterback, but typically it's putting the ball on the ground with fumbles, but he has turned the ball over a decent bit against us past couple of years. So that, that's not out of the question. Maybe, maybe boost your chances. Although I'm not, I'm not buying in, but I will say I buy yours a lot more than the, there, there was a prediction. We didn't slip in here about sauce having no interceptions on the year. I, I think he's going to get at least one. So, <laughs> man, I hope so. If he gets no interceptions on the year, that just means he's locking everybody down. So there's that. Yep. <laughs> All right. We move on to this week's geek of the week and i think sliz and i are in agreement on here okay all you twitter doctors all, all you people who want to jump the gun leger doosable I, I enjoy you on the jets post game show uh the david chow 
You guys all got Zach's ACL injury wrong. We need to learn to take a breath, relax, wait for the professionals to do their jobs. So my geek of the week is all of the Twitter doctors who prematurely called Zach Wilson's injury an ACL. It gave us unwanted heart attacks. It gave us 12, essentially 12 hours of wondering what if. Uh, the one thing that I, I kind of clung to on Friday night was when they updated the injury, when the Jets updated the injury, they had Zach listed as questionable. And if it was a truly bad knee injury, they wouldn't mess around. They would have ruled him out. And not that not to say that Zach was coming back in the game because he wasn't, obviously, either way, because his night was done. But I think that if that were the case, then they wouldn't have ruled him questionable. So my geek of the week, everybody who tries to jump the gun, so geeks of the week, really, anybody who tries to jump the gun on on trying to dissect and determine what a player's injury is, Jets dodged a bullet here. But please, please take a lap before you hit send on that tweet. I'm begging you, please. Yeah, yeah, I I agree full, wholeheartedly. I'm sure every Jets fan out there, I'm I'm sure all those folks on Twitter got a ton of blowback when it wasn't what wasn't what they said it was, and and it's kind of always a you know a, it's not what you say, it's kind of how you say it sort of thing. It's if mm-hmm. you want to speculate and put out some options into the space. Oh, it kind of looks like this. You can see the knee buckle out. It's non-contact. It's when you throw. You know, I've heard sources that it's an ACL tear or the video doesn't lie. Unless the video is lying, then it's an ACL tear. It's like, man, you're you're just setting yourself up to be clowned on. Yeah, Mm. (laughs) there's a right way to go about it. And a lot of people did not take the right right approach. Right. I think Doosable's tweet was, it's believed that Zach has a torn ACL. Like, what does that even mean, man? Listen, I I get it because everybody wants to be first, but just unless you know, you know. Don't say anything about it, you know. My, my Even if these Twitter doctors are usually right. My my glimmer of hope was, especially with an ACL, MCL, and of course Salah's kind of dodgy around the verbiage after the mm-hmm. Mackay situation, and but but ACL and MCL, those you can typically you can test those on the sideline and have a right. pretty good feel uh, on using that knee stability test. And Zach walking on his own back to the locker room and not like be total. He wasn't totally head down in tears. Like he knew his season was over all that. That kind of gave me a little bit of hope and, and thankfully paid off. And uh, hopefully we get him back soon because the, the season, the season's a bit of a wash if we don't have answers question one way or the other on Zach. Right. Right. So we bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll start here. Man, I'm super excited for Saints Row to come out next week. It's been a super dry uh, summer for gaming. Elden Ring came out a while ago, and that seemed to to take up a lot of people's time. But there's been like nothing since then. And I, I just, I don't know, man. Uh, Saints Row is probably going to suck, to be honest. It feels like it's going to be dated because those games usually are. But I'm excited for it next week. And that's... That's my landing strip thoughts, Liz. Yeah, so my, I don't I don't know if it's a big thing on the East Coast. Out here in the Midwest, people uh, will buy portions of beef by the quarter, half, or whole cow. So I I took the splurge this past year of getting a quarter of beef. Got got a big old chest freezer and all that, which aged, mm. aged terrifically with the the inflation and price of meat skyrocketing. But so with that, been trying to experiment, learn a lot of uh, new recipes, trying to figure out how to use cuts that I normally wouldn't buy. Um, broke out, kind of shame on me. 
um, been married my wife for going on five years now and, and dating for a, a good deal longer than that. Never made her kind of a traditional family recipe of Hungarian goulash, which is like kind of like a, a stew almost um, made that it was delicious. Daughter loved it. It was, it was all good. All good vibes. So the, tremendous. Lo- love how that love how that turned out. No, don't worry. Wawa's next menu item will be a quarter of a cow. So I'm sure that'll come to <laughs> that'll come to East Coast sooner, sooner rather than later. So that'll do it for episode two of the Jets Discord of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. You can find us. Obviously, you already found us, but you can find us on SoundCloud and Spotify, soon to be Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, won't you let them know where they can find you at? At Sliz underscore NYJ. Yes, please follow us because we need we need the followers. Desperately yeah. need the followers. We got yeah. we got to get Sliz verified here. Oh yeah, yeah, and check us out on Discord too. Yeah, it's uh, Discord.dg/nyjets. Discussions happening every single day, every moment of the day. Not just Jets. A lot of New York sports. A lot of different topics in there too. But if you want to talk football, it's, it's one of the best places to be. If you want to talk football or, or Marvel movies, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would who would love to talk Marvel movies. So that'll do that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel. You hope you enjoyed listening. For Sliz, I'm Joe Rivera, reminding you you can't take flight without jet fuel.